and welcome to the Nutrition by Samantha podcast. I'm your host, Samantha, nutritionist who is on a mission to cut through the nutrition confusion and help you become the healthiest version of you. In this podcast, you'll find expert advice on all things binge and emotional eating, sustainable fat loss, sports nutrition, and all things in between. I hope you leave each episode inspired and empowered to make smarter eating choices. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey, welcome to another episode. So in this episode, we are talking about hormones and the effect of hormones on body weight and weight management. I probably will end up making more episodes on this and going through each of the hormones in more detail just because there's just so much to go through. But I'm really hoping you find this helpful. Each hormone I go through, I will give you tips on how to combat this. So just because you ha- if you have like an issue with one of your hormones, doesn't mean you're doomed. There are definitely ways you can fix this through your nutrition, which I will go through. So yes, I hope you enjoy this episode. So September is such a busy month for me, literally so many birthdays and events on this month. On Friday, I had my mother-in-law's birthday dinner. And then afterwards, I had to go to another dinner for my sister and my dad and my brother-in-law. They had a combined birthday dinner because they're all in September. I read online that September is the busiest month for birthdays. And I shit you not, in my family, definitely is the busiest month. So yeah, I had dinner with my mother-in-law and we went to the Hobson's Bay Hotel. It was actually really nice. Anyway, so I got like a small, like an entree size meal, which was, I just was going to get the crab sliders because it looked amazing. But thank God somebody else ordered them because I was going to get two. They are not sliders, what I saw when they were coming out from the kitchen. They were like bloody big burgers. Thank God I didn't order two. But yeah, so I got one of those and then me and my husband shared a bowl of chips as well. And then we went to my family's house and I picked up pizzas from Elio's Pizza in Hopper's Crossing. And I'm always, it's just so silly and irrational of me, but I always get scared that people I know are going to see me with pizza and judge me because I'm a nutritionist, but I'm like, I'm a cool nutritionist. Okay. Like I eat pizza and I don't have like the most perfect, healthy, wholesome diet all the time. (laughs) Anyway, so I'm walking out of the pizza shop and I literally, I shit you not, I had like eight pizzas stacked up in front of me and I'm like, oh my God, I can't even see where I'm going. But I'm like, imagine if I just saw like a heap of my clients and I'm just walking out of the pizza shop with pizza. I'd be like, yes, I told you you can have pizza and still have a healthy diet. But that's always my irrational fear, which is why I won't get nutrition by Samantha on my car because I swear the one time I'll feel like a McFlurry or something and want to go through the drive-thru and get a McFlurry will be the time that somebody sees me or they'll leave like this review on my Google page saying she's just a nutritionist but I saw her in the drive-thru getting a McFlurry like that's my biggest fear even though it's like completely normal and everyone eats that sort of stuff including me it's just one of my (laughs) funny fears but anyway Enough rambling on about me. My nutrition food tip recommendation of the week is another lazy food hack because I am so flippin' lazy when it comes to cooking food and, yeah, making it easy to eat. I just want things that are gonna, yeah, fuel me and I can get on with my day. Like, if I'm in the kitchen and cooking a meal, if it doesn't go in the air fryer, in a pan or in the oven and requires more than, like, two steps 
too much for me and no thank you not gonna happen anyway so this week's is my my recommendation is a lunch hack and oh my god it's not even a hack let's be honest I don't know why I'm calling it a hack it's not at all it's just roast chicken and salad like that's not a hack but anyway I just want to go through why it's a recommendation because if you are busy and you are lazy and you need to eat which is most people roast a chicken in the oven on like a Sunday night or if you work from home do it on Monday morning and then just get the pre-packaged pre-packaged salads from the supermarket like I get the Greek salad from Woolies so then once I've roasted the chicken I would just pick off the bits of the chicken that I want put in half a plate of salad into my plate and put the chicken on top and Bob's your uncle you got yourself the easiest snack snack what is wrong with me today I think this coffee's hit me easiest lunch that you can have during the week you don't have to make anything you literally do not have to do anything you're just putting something in the oven waiting an hour and a half for it to cook taking it out, picking off bits of chicken, put on a plate with, with salad that's already made for you. Like it's the easiest thing you can do for lunch. So I've done that two weeks in a row now and yeah, it's working for me because I don't have to do anything, which is the best thing ever. So you're welcome. I hope you found this one helpful. Now there wasn't much happening in the news world in nutrition this week. I did try to find something that was coming up, but honestly, the things that were coming up I know that you know I really bullshit to be honest like after I did the one last week about the peanuts I did a poll on my Instagram story asking what you think of these type of headlines and majority of you said you know it's well well more than majority of you said that you know that these type of articles are bullshit and that there's no special cure to weight loss or whatever which is what came up again this week which was about having bigger meals at this time of the day compared to this and it's all just bullshit and I'm not going to go through it all because you know it's just one of those things to clickbait whatnot so instead this month I have found a study that has come out very recently on the effects of probiotics and fat loss which is super interesting now what they found is that People who took lactobacillus for 12 weeks reduced body weight, fat around the organs, and their BMI, waist height, and hip circumference. And their belly fat was reduced by 8.5% in the 12 weeks. However, when the participants stopped taking the probiotic, they gained back all the belly fat within one month, which I just think is wild and just shows that it is the probiotic that is making the difference unless they did do some sort of weight loss diet at the same time as taking the probiotic, but it doesn't seem that this is the case. Another eight-week study found that women who were overweight or obese that took a probiotic that included the strains of lactobacillus and bifidobacterium, this is just the long words for the type of probiotics. So if you have a probiotic bottle at home, you look on the back, I guarantee you in the ingredients, it's going to say bifidobacterium and lactobacillus. But yes, in this study, they found the strains of lactobacillus and bifidobacterium lost significantly more belly fat than those that took the placebo pill. So that just shows that the probiotics are really beneficial when it comes to fat loss. As a disclaimer, please contact your healthcare provider before taking any new supplements. All right, let's get into today's topic of hormones. So the first hormone I'm going to be talking about is ghrelin. So ghrelin is our hunger hormone. Now, when I was studying nutrition, the way I remembered what ghrelin was, 
was because ghrelin sounds like grr and that's a sound your stomach makes makes when it's hungry so that's how i remembered which hormone was for which um for, for what so pretty much what this hormone tells us is when we're hungry we need to seek food and its main function is to increase our appetite so this hormone is produced in our stomach and and secreted when our stomach is empty so it then enters the bloodstream and affects a part of your brain called the hypothalamus which helps regulate your hormones and your appetite. So the higher your levels of ghrelin, the hungrier you get. The lower your levels, the more full you feel, and the easier it is to eat a few fewer calories at the same time. So if you want to lose weight, you'd want to be lowering your ghrelin levels. This will be beneficial to maintaining your weight or losing weight. Now, I know you're probably thinking like ghrelin sounds terrible and it's wrecking your diet and it's the worst hormone, but it has played a role in survival by helping people maintain a moderate level of body fat. Now, some research suggests that people with obesity may have an overly active ghrelin receptor, which leads to increased calorie intake. Now, regardless of your weight, when we do try to diet, this is going to increase our levels of ghrelin. This is a natural response by our body as it's trying to protect us from starvation. So during a weight loss diet, your appetite increases and your level of the fullness hormone leptin, I'll go through de- go through leptin in a moment, go down. Now your metabolic rate also tends to decrease significantly, especially when you restrict calories for a long period of time. So this is also why I'm so against trying to restrict your calories for long periods of time or restrict them too drastically because your uh, metabolic rate is going to come down. You're going to hit a plateau quicker and then you're going to be eating 1200 calories and you're like, oh, I'm in a plateau. What do I do now? I'm like, well, you kind of stuffed yourself here and now you're going to have to either eat less than that, which is you just, you can't, or you need to go on a diet break and just start this whole process all over again. And then by doing that, it's going to make it harder each time to lose weight. So that's why I always say, when you go on a weight loss diet, you want it to be slow and sustainable. But this, this is exactly why, because we don't want to be slowing our metabolism down. Now, anyway, these adaptations, which is the metabolism slowing down, can make it significantly harder to lose weight and keep it off as your hormones and metabolism adjust to try to regain the weight you've just lost. So, how do we lower ghrelin and reduce hunger? This is something I focus on with my clients. I always say, I don't want you being really hungry. I don't want us starving ourselves. There's so many things we need to do to make sure that we are feeling satisfied after each meal whilst also being in that slight calorie deficit. The reason why I talk about this is to lower our hunger hormone. Now, the way to lower our hunger hormone would be to maintain a moderate weight as ghrelin levels increase during dieting. Now, If this is too little too late for you and you do already need to lose weight, the things we need to focus on is prioritizing sleep. So sleep increases your levels of ghrelin and has been linked to increased hunger and weight gain. This is why my consults always talk about sleep. Um, We need to increase our muscle mass. So going to the gym, working out, hitting the weights are really great ways to lower our ghrelin levels as this will help to reduce our body fat level and eat enough protein. Now, protein keeps us full and satisfied and reduces our hunger. So if you have a high protein meal, you're going to feel a whole lot more full than if you have a meal without any protein in it. 
To quickly wrap up ghrelin, we want to focus on a slight calorie deficit for weight loss. This will help to reduce our hunger. We want to have protein in every meal. We want to be active, increase our muscle mass, have enough sleep. All these things will play a huge factor in lowering our hunger. So the next hormone, which is the opposite to ghrelin, which is what I just mentioned, was leptin. So leptin is our fullness hormone and it prevents hunger and regulates energy balance so that our body doesn't trigger a hunger response when it doesn't actually need energy. Now, leptin doesn't affect your hunger levels and food intake from meal to meal, but rather acts to alter food intake and control energy expenditure over a longer period of time to help maintain your normal weight. Now, leptin has a more profound effect when you lose weight. As your body fat decreases, your leptin levels also decrease, which signals your body to think that it's starving. This stimulates intense hunger and appetite and can lead to increased food consumption. The amount of leptin in your blood is directly proportional to the amount of adipose tissue your body has. Now, adipose tissue is just your body fat. So in other words, the less body fat, the less leptin you have, the more body fat, the more leptin you have. Now, if you have a high amount of body fat or obesity, you can develop leptin resistance. So if you have leptin resistance, your brain doesn't respond as it normally would to leptin. This is because the brain has been constantly being stimulated by leptin, your body telling you it's full, it's full, and sort of keep you keep eating, and then this causes you to eat more, even though your body has enough fat stores, because your brain has now become resistant to the feeling of fullness. Also, when you're leptin resistant, your brain decreases your energy levels and makes fewer calories at rest as well. So that's something very interesting to note as well. So leptin resistance uh, further contributes to obesity and causes additional weight gain in the form of fat storage due to the stimulating hunger and decreasing metabolism. When we eat too many processed foods or simple carbs, our system gets overwhelmed with glucose, the sugar gets used up for energy first, and we accumulate body fat as well. So this also messes up your brain's ability to receive these leptin signals, and that's how you can also develop leptin resistance. So we really want to make sure that we are eating whole foods predominantly with our diet, because if we have a high diet full of these processed foods, they're they're getting utilized by the body quite quickly. It's going to start accumulating body fat as well. And our leptin singles are not going to fire off to say, hey, we're full. We don't need any more food. And that's another way how we can be overeating and then causing weight gain as well. The next hormone is cortisol. So I'm sure you've heard of cortisol. It is our stress hormone um, and it is generally released in close relation to the body's circadian rhythm with 50 to 60 percent of it being released within 30, 40 minutes of waking and then the levels start to fall throughout the day. So during the times of increased stress, cortisol and adrenaline are released from your adrenal glands. So this triggers an increase in heart rate and energy levels, preparing your body for potentially quotation marks, harmful situation. We're not really, our stress um, is a lot different now to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago where it's stressed with just our lifestyle with work and whatnot. So while this stress response is normal, continued elevations in cortisol can lead to negative 
health and negative side effects. So excess in cortisol can lead your body to produce less testosterone. This may cause a decrease in muscle mass as well as slow down how many calories your body is burning as well. Also, if we do have high levels of cortisol, it does increase our appetite and thus we end up eating more as well. So we also want to make sure we are keeping our stress levels down to prevent this overeating from happening. And you might think, oh, you know, you're just hungry. It's not from, you're not stress eating, you're just hungry. However, the, the increase in cortisol can be causing you to be more hungry than what you actually are at the same time. So it's really important to make sure our cortisol levels are at bay. Moving on to estrogen. So as we age, and in particular, go through menopause, women's estrogen drops. So this can cause an excess in bowel fat. And this explains why men tend to hold weight around their midsection because they have lower estrogen than women. Because menopause happens later in life, we tend to have more sedentary lifestyles. We're less active, probably not eating as well as what we once did as well, probably eating less of the good stuff and more of like the biscuits and cakes type things as well. So this is well and good and you're probably not noticing much change in your body type as you start to get less active and not eating much more of the right foods. However, once you start going to menopause, these lifestyle factors start to change your body type because you have less estrogen, your hormones are changing, and now your lifestyle changes that you've had as you've gotten older are becoming more noticeable to you. So it's not necessarily like as soon as menopause hits, your your body changes, which I guess it is, but it's these lifestyle factors that you had previously that are now coming out and that you can see more of as well and you're like okay I need to start changing my lifestyle now because the menopause has hit but if we were eating really well beforehand being more active and then menopause hits you're not going to notice as much of a huge change as if you were just doing nothing and eating sort of whatever you wanted so you can definitely still lose weight during menopause. So we need to focus on resistance training. This is so important, especially as you hit menopause for women. We need to be able to build muscle strength, improve our bone mineral density as well. And this can all be done through strength training. You want to make sure we have a well-balanced diet. We want to have some a lot of protein in our diet, a lot of vegetables, some well-balanced high-protein snacks as well, and incorporate some carbohydrates throughout our diet as well. And this will help combat the effects of lowering our estrogen during menopause super interesting but yeah i'm not looking forward to when i have to go through menopause <laughs> it's like you go through your whole life trying to balance out your period pain and whatnot and then you finally finish your period and like <laughs> now you have menopause so deal with that it's just constant for women isn't it moving on to insulin so when we eat food the glucose is absorbed from our gut into the bloodstream and this raises our blood glucose levels this rise in blood glucose causes insulin to be released from our pancreas. So glucose can move in inside our cells and then be utilized for energy. And as glucose moves inside the cells, the amount of glucose in the bloodstream returns to normal and then the insulin release will slow down. Now, if blood sugar is continuously being spiked by the the body starts to become desensitized to the insulin. This means you have to produce more insulin to do the job. Eventually, insulin-producing cells in the pancreas wear out and insulin production decreases. 
So this leads to elevated blood sugar levels and then insulin resistance, which I'm sure we've all heard about, especially if you have PCOS or are close to developing diabetes as well. So an analogy for this is think of insulin like a key that opens cell doors so glucose can enter. If your cells aren't responding to the insulin, the doors never open and then glucose can never enter the cells. And then instead it is circulating in our bloodstream. At the same time, insulin resistant cells aren't receiving the glucose they need to function optimally. And that causes negative side effects like brain fog, fatigue, energy, always feeling hungry, etc. So you can have some symptoms of being insulin resistant, such as weight gain or difficulty losing weight, uh, blood sugar spikes after meals, carb cravings, extreme hunger or thirst, frequent infections, feeling tired, aches and pains, dark patches of skin, skin tags. These all are signs of insulin resistance. And your diet is the biggest contributor to insulin resistance. And if you are insulin resistant, it does need to be dealt with to avoid type 2 diabetes. So you're most likely in the pre-diabetic phase if you have just found out you're insulin resistant. So it's so important to get this under control before developing type 2 diabetes. Now, I've had many clients in the pre-diabetes phase and we have been able to get out of the pre-diabetes phase by focusing on our exercise, our diet, sleep, and stress. So if this is you, if you have just found that you developed insulin resistance and you're in the pre-diabetes phase, I would highly recommend getting in contact with me so we can get you out of this pre-diabetes phase and um, get you in a better, healthier lifestyle and avoid developing type 2 diabetes. Because once you develop it, it's going to be a whole lot more harder to get out of the diabetes. So very important. So to wrap up, the five hormones we spoke about were ghrelin, leptin, cortisol, estrogen, and insulin. Now, I'm wondering if any of you picked up some very common similarities with how to help these hormones function optimally. We want to make sure we are eating a well-balanced diet, getting enough protein, getting enough sleep, enough lowering our stress levels. All of these things play a huge role in balancing our hormones. So I would love to go into each of these hormones in more detail. In particular, I know talking more about the effects of menopause and how to deal with the um, effects of menopause and also insulin resistance will be really beneficial to a lot of my clients and also I'm sure some of you as well. So if you are interested in me talking more in depth about these, I'd love for you to send me a DM on Instagram and let me know so that way I know to create more on this topic because honestly when it comes to hormones there's just so much to cover and and I just feel like each each hormone almost needs its own podcast to go through in detail. So that way I can give you more information on it if it's something you're interested in. So yes, let me know. So that wraps up our episode on hormones. So if you are loving my episodes, loving each week tuning in, it would mean so much to me if you could subscribe and leave me a review on either iTunes or Apple Podcasts or I think Spotify does it as well. Not too sure. But anyway, um, I got a review last week and I read it and I was so excited. And I'm like, when it's my husband, I read it out to him. I'm like, oh my God, I got my first review. So this review said, it's a bonus. Sam's voice is easy to listen to and follow. All episodes are super easy to follow and understand. All information is super clear and simple, making it more relatable and not so much information overload. I love it. Highly recommend if you want help in the right direction of all things nutrition. 
and I read that I was like oh my god this is the best review ever so happy so if you are listening to this and you want to leave me a five-star review please do so that would mean so much to me and help my rankings in the chart so more people can find me Otherwise, if you are wanting to work with me, if any of these hormones resonated with to you, know that these can all be fixed through diet and lifestyle. So send me a DM if you'd like to work with me on Instagram, nutrition underscore by Samantha. I'll get back to you ASAP. I always check my DMs. You can listen again next week on Thursday for my next episode. Uh, in the meantime, I hope you all have a lovely, lovely day today. And yeah, bye. <laughs>